It is 10 o'clock. Good morning. Welcome. Good to have you here today. I have a, I have a different sidekick with me today. Uh, Mr. Yost is here, and in part she's here to talk about something that is actually a piece of uh, what we've been talking about in our series in Joshua, and that is getting God's Word hidden in our hearts. It's really important. If, if, we're, going to, if we're going to live in a way, if we're going to live as Christ followers in the times in which we live, it's really important to have God's Word embedded in our hearts. So uh, you have a group with a, a group of 20s, 30s, early 40s that is right now memorizing uh, God's Word together. For sure. It's an awesome group, and you can still sign up for that, but I'm going to talk about a different group. Yeah, a new group. New group so, called Equip. Yeah. Equip, you can find it on the church website um, and sign up for it. And then it also requires you to get the app Marco Polo. Um, no, that's not a game in a pool. You can figure it out. Go to the hub, and we'll tell you how to do it. And, and the, what, basically, this group is not, they're, we're not meeting every week. We're checking in. It's a virtual group without Zoom. Can I have a pause Woo! for that? Yay, yeah, for no sure. Zoom, no Zoom. Okay, so this is just an accountability group. So it's a video that you pre-record on Mondays to show um, to the group. Keep each other accountable that you memorize God's Word. We're, we're, our aim is memorize two verses a week. Two verses a week. 66 books in the Bible. We are, by the end, this is super huge. We're going to do by the end, um, I think it's June or May, um, we're going to learn one verse from each book of the Bible. Yeah. With reference. Awesome. So you've already been working on it. Yes. Let's hear it. Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. Now, I love, part of what I love about the way you did that is you gave, you gave the address at the beginning of the end, sure. and that's, I think that's as, just as important that we're able to quickly reference. I was meeting with somebody this week, and a verse came to my mind that I wanted to share with them, and for the life of me, I could not remember where it was found. And it, in pastor land, it's about the equivalent of John 3.16. I should have known where this verse was found. Ultimately, I have to say, I'm not texting, I'm Googling to find out the address of this verse for you. So, so that sandwiching of address, address, dress with the meat in the middle. There you've got the verse. And then you have Exodus 20, verse 2 as well. Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. So Exodus what, 20, verse 2. Very good. So what, what, what's, in, what's important about this, clearly we have, we have a bunch of paper Bibles available at our houses. We have uh, Google, Bible Gateway, the Bible app. We've got all these sources where we could go get the Bible immediately. And yet, it is hiding God's Word in our heart, which, by the way, is a command. It's not, it's not just a suggestion. Sure. Hiding God's Word in our heart gives us that ability in the moment, and not us the ability, but the Spirit of God in the moment to bring a verse to mind, to bring a concept to mind that we need. In the, so maybe, maybe I'm about to do something wrong. And I kind of know it's wrong. And the Spirit says, I am the Lord your God. And I hear those words and I go, huh, maybe I better think twice before I just go ahead and do whatever I want to do. It's amazing how God will use his word to guide our path throughout the day. So you, after this service, will be back at the hub showing people how this works, how it comes together. And we start memorizing this week? Correct. And then our first video um, check-in is uh, the following week on Monday. And you can do it at any time on Monday. 
and we'll have this together. We'll come together as Southfield Church and do this as one body. So I'm looking at you all. <laughs> I see you all right now. I want you all signing up. If you have <laughs> questions, let me know. If not, I'll be finding you. So she's asking you to be bold and courageous. I asked her to be bold and courageous today, too. She's going to be reading Joshua chapter 2 to us, where they have like the Gergazites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the Termites and all those other guys. And so uh, let's see how you do with this. All right, let's read God's word. Joshua 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. He and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. They lodged there before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall between, be between you and it a distance of 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall, moreover, command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Oh. All right. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men of the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of Jordan, the waters of Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which flowing down from above will stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests, carrying the ark of the covenant before the people, and those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest, the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose in one heap, a great distance away at Adam, the city that's beside Zarethan, and those that were flowing down from the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. That was Joshua chapter 3. We did Joshua chapter 1 last week and 3. We're not skipping 2. In fact, uh, we'd like you to go ahead and read Joshua chapter 2 for our teaching next week. And remember, you can listen to that too on the Dwell app. 
Uh, that app is available for you. In fact, it came in the email yesterday so that you can join Southfield's group on that app. And, and two things in that. One is to be able to have the listening to Joshua, but also we've set up the, the verses that are in the memory group so that like there's a track just for Genesis 1-1. And I've been using it. I get in the car, turn it on, and actually let it play. And they've got the settings in that. You can set it to repeat and set the amount of time you want in between. So I have the verse play, and then I have a 10-second gap, which allows me enough time to say the address, say the verse, and say the address, and then it plays again. And, and what I'm finding with that is I'm learning the verse just as I go along the way, which is the way I learn a lot of things. I don't, I don't sit down and memorize, for example, sports stats. You just hear them again and again and again, and before you know it, there they are. I think some of us get a brain freeze because we're like, we try to memorize Scripture in a different way than we memorize everything else in life, just hearing it again and again and again and letting it drip into our hearts. So again, Joshua chapter 2 this coming week, and Misty will be back at the hub afterward to talk to you if you need help on figuring out Marco, Polo, and all that kind of stuff. She'll, she'll help you with that. So we dive in today to Joshua chapter 3. And as we do, uh, I, I wanted some preparation for this. And so, and so I read a book. I read a book by a man named N.T. Wright. He's a, he's a British scholar, and it's called God in the Pandemic. It's short. I'd almost call it more of a, a paper or an essay than a, than a book. And as I opened the book and started to read, he said something to this order. We live in unprecedented times, unique times, times like no other. And I don't know about you, but when I heard those words, unprecedented times, unique times, I was like, oh my word, I am tired of hearing those words. I am tired of hearing about how unprecedented, un, how unique, all those terms. I'm just a little weary of them. And in fact, there are a whole bunch of words, a whole bunch of terms that I think a bunch of us, when the pandemic is over, we're going to pull out a drawer and we're going to say, we're going to put these words in there and we never want to hear them again. I've actually surveyed some of you and asked, what are some words that you never want to hear again after the pandemic? Number one answer, new normal. People are just weary of new normal. There is nothing normal about it, and we don't like that it's new. Put it away. We never want to hear it again. Early on in the whole pandemic, the word non-essential, that, that you found yourself saying, oh, there, there are, this is the way the brain interpreted it, essential people and non-essential people. There are people that don't matter and people that do matter. And that, that got to some people deep down in the heart. How about this one? We're all in this together. We're all, oh, I love we're all in this together. Until you realize that we're really not all in this together. If you own a horse farm, if, if, if you want to go get your hair done at a salon and not wear your mask, if you want to go through the airport and have the pilot carry your luggage without your mask, what, what they're really saying is, you're all in this together. You little people, you're all in this together, but we've got, we've got a different way of living. You can tell that people were a little bit cynical with these, right? How about this one? Nobody wants to hear the word Zoom ever again. We're going to find the day after the pandemic that Zoom stock is going to plummet and they're going to be gone, wiped from the face of the earth. The science and the data. The science and the data. Early on, it was fine until we started realizing there's, there's blue science and there's red science. Or more importantly, there's science and data and then there's an interpretation of science and data that can go this way or that way and ultimately cause an awful lot of division. I'll tell you the one that kind of I struggled with from the first time I heard of it. Out of an abundance of caution, 
out of an abundance of caution. I heard those words, and there was, there was something inside of me that tweaked. Something inside of me that on one hand, it felt warm and cuddly like a blanket. And on the other hand, I went, Ugh, why am I not totally comfortable with those words? Because you see, what, what I heard, when I hear out of an abundance of caution, which seems like great lawyerese for if you don't want to get sued, but out of an abundance of caution, when I hear those words, I, I start hearing other words. Other words like Jesus saying, perfect love casts out fear. Or words like, be bold and courageous. And, and, and I really wrestled. I wrestled with how do I square be bold and courageous with out of an abundance of caution? How do I square out of abundance of caution with perfect love casts out fear? Now, some of you are maybe already a little worried about where I'm going this morning. You think I've got an agenda and I'm going to spend the next 24 minutes giving my rant. I am not. I am not. What I'm doing is inviting you to do what I've had to do myself, and that is to wrestle and to think. We're not living very thoughtfully. We're living very reflexively. We're just, we're just it's reflexed, whatever's said in the moment. Instead of living reflectively, instead of stopping and thinking, how do these square? There are a lot of voices talking to us. How do, how, do we, how do we hear the voice of Jesus and continue to walk humbly and uprightly in a world that is spinning out of control and in a world where there are a million opinions expressed about every four and a half seconds? So, in order to understand this, we go to Joshua. And the first thing we've got to ask is, What's Joshua's mission? Why, why did God place Joshua in the world? Because, you know, all of us are going to have to ask the same question. What's your mission? Why did God place you in Shanahan or Manuka or Joliet or Wilmington, wherever you live, why did God place you here, 2020? Why now? Why not, why not 200 years ago? Why not 200 years from now? Why here? Why now? What's the mission God has for you to accomplish in this unique moment in this unprecedented time. What's your mission? Joshua had a mission. God said in verse 2 of chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the river into the land I'm giving them. Here's a man who had a unique assignment. The leader of leaders was now dead, and he was the man to take over. And he was the man to take them from the wilderness. They'd gone from slavery to the wilderness. Now they're going from the wilderness into the land of promise, the place they've waited for for 440 years. We're finally going to get into the promised land, and it falls to Joshua to lead them on this mission. So how is it accomplished? How is he to accomplish the mission which God has given him? God says, here's how I want you to do it. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. I want you to be bold and I want you to be courageous. We look at Joshua chapter 1, starting with verse 6 on through verse 9. What do we see? Be strong and courageous. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No less than seven times, God or Moses says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. My wife is a subtle person, but sometimes I catch her subtlety. She tends to repeat. And when she gets to the seventh time, I know it's important. You know, I, I, even, even I, dense as I am, I catch it. I know what's going on here. And if after the seventh time I drop the ball, there's going to be a price to pay, right? I mean, how in the world? I said it to you seven times. Why didn't you get it? Seven times God says to Joshua, be bold and courageous, have strength and courage. And he's not just saying, come on, dude, muster it up, work out, take vitamins, try harder. It's not what he's doing at all. In fact, he's not saying, ignore the enemy in the land. He's not saying, don't worry, dude, cakewalk. I know you've heard bad things about the land, but it's really not all that bad. Joshua had been there. Joshua had seen it with his own eyes. As a spy, he had seen who inhabits the land. He had seen the dangers. He was not ignoring the danger. The danger was very real. And yet somehow he was able to be bold and courageous, have strength and courage in the face of danger. He had a choice. Am I going to be cautious or am I going to be courageous? By the way, there were 10 guys in the wilderness who said, let's be cautious. I don't think it's a good time to go in. What are you going to do, be cautious or be courageous? How do we develop this kind of courage outside of just mustering it up ourselves? Well, we've already seen from this passage and we saw last week, it comes from an awareness of God's ongoing presence. We have to be aware of the ongoing presence of God in our lives. You are not alone. You are not alone. God was not uniquely present with Moses, uniquely present with Joshua, and then said, hey, the rest of you, whatever. He, he doesn't look at what you have to do today, your unique mission, your unique calling, and say, you know, wow, I know you got a lot on your plate today, but, but there's some junk going on over in China, and I got to be over there today, so you handle it, okay? It's not the way it works. He says, I am with you. I am with you always. You are never alone. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. And that is a thread that we see throughout Scripture. You come to one of the more common passages of Scripture, one that even secular people know because they've been to a funeral. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know it, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because I'm not going to die, for you are with me. You are with me. I am not alone. And so for the Christ follower, what Jesus is looking for in us is to recognize no matter the giant we face, we are not alone. No matter how large or, or, or foreboding the enemy is, our God is with us. He's behind us and beside us and within us. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 says, teach everybody to observe the commands I'm, I'm giving you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The age has not ended. Therefore, the promise has not expired. He is with you. He is with you in everything you have to face. The reason for courage is not just some blindness to the enemy, but the reality that we are not alone in the face of the threat. 
Beyond that, Joshua had an acceptance of God's eternal purposes. He accepted what God had to say. What God had to say was gold, period. What were God's eternal purposes for Joshua? Verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give to them. He says, Joshua, I have a unique calling on your life. I have a unique calling just for you. You're the man who is going to lead the people into the promised land. A promise that had been made all the way back to Abraham. This is, this is an ancient promise. This promise has been around for a long time. By the time Joshua is ready to enter the land with the people, it had been around for a long, long time. God had a purpose for his people that they would move out of slavery, out of the wilderness, and into a land that he had promised for them. We may look at our times right now and say, what in the world? Uh, to describe now as chaotic is an understatement, right? I mean, it, it's, not, it's not the things that change month to month or week to week or day to day. It's about every seven minutes. About every seven minutes, something new, cataclysmic happens, and we're like, God, are you even here anymore? Do you even know what's going on? And the answer to that question is, I absolutely am and I absolutely do. His purposes are not being thwarted in this world. Quite the opposite. His purposes are being fulfilled. His purposes are being fulfilled. He has unique purposes for us in this unique, unprecedented moment. He has a calling on each of us individually and he has a calling on us as a church. We need to rely on the fact that God has a plan and his plan cannot be thwarted. So I have his abiding presence and I know he has a plan and then beyond that, I just rest in abiding in God's revealed promises. This is where we want to land for a few moments. Again, Joshua was not just told, come on guy, have guts. You know, by the way, boldness, a lot of times we think of boldness in terms of slaying giants. It takes real boldness to do that. Think about the boldness it took to say to the priests, here's what you're supposed to do. When you just go ahead and put your foot on the water, the waters are going to part. And the priest went to them, oh, interesting, never happened before. I've, not, I've, I've never, have you had that happen? Have you, have you ever walked up to Lake Michigan and touched the water and all of a sudden, boom, and you saw dry sand? No, generally when I walk into the water, I don't walk on it and it doesn't part. I go into it, boom, just like almost every other human being, every other human being except these guys. They had to, God didn't part the water and then they took steps, they had to step and then God took part of the water. That takes boldness and courage. It takes boldness and courage to take the step before you see the miracle, before you see the action. But too often, we want to see the miracle and then we're like, God, I'm in, woohoo! No, God's saying, do you believe in my presence? Do you believe in my purposes? Then step and let's see what happens. The only way you do this is to abide in God's revealed promises. God said, be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave to you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. 
Here, and, and then he goes on again and says, this is how you will be prosperous and successful. He needed, he needed to abide in God's revealed promises. How does that happen? Well, first of all, it begins with unwavering obedience. He was told, you are to obey. Moses said some things. He gave commands in those first five books. And you are not to deviate a degree to the right or the left. You are to walk the path and walk the path completely. What I find with modern American Christians is, is we're, we're kind of, we're infomaniacs. We love information. We love, we love all men. We'll pick apart the end times. We'll pick apart all the information. But, but then when it comes to obedience, we kind of go, well, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure I want to do it. I just want to know it. He says, no, this, this abiding begins with an unwavering obedience, walking the path straightly, not taking a degree to the right, a degree to the left, but just walking absolutely straight forward, unwavering obedience. If God reveals something to me, I don't, I don't put it out for a poll. I don't put it out for opinion. This is what God said to do. I'm going to do it. Then there's unfailing attention. Just paying careful attention to what God has to say. Verse 8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Now, if you know Joshua 1.8, maybe you memorized it in Awana as a kid or, or some other time along the way, you're looking at that verse and you're going, that doesn't sound the way I learned it. That, that's, not, that's not what I remember of that verse. You may remember King James or, or English Standards or something like that that says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, I have known this passage all my life, and I have, I've obviously preached through a lot of sermons along the way, and I'm sure I've used this verse. You know, I've never just stopped long enough to think, what in the world does it mean when he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth? What does that mean? I mean, if I, if I read it simply on a level of modern American English, it almost sounds like he's saying, don't tell anybody the law. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Keep it in. Don't speak it. Don't let anybody know it. Certainly that's not what he's saying. I think the New International Version takes the euphemism and, and interprets it beautifully. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Mutter God's word all the time. Just mutter God. Are any of you mutterers? I've learned that I, I, I have this new phase of muttering going on. This thing, okay? I'm walking through Jewel and I'm talking to myself. I never used to talk to myself in the store. But somehow I feel like if I've got this thing on, nobody hears me. And I mean, like, I'm talking back to the PA system. I'm, everywhere I go, I'm talking. because I, I'm like, what? You're a lunatic. What's gone wrong with your brain? Are you not getting oxygen? What's happening to you? They can hear you. They hear your voice. I'm muttering. Do you mutter? When's the last time you muttered the book of the law? When's the last time you just, you just, you just continued to mutter a verse, to, to just continue to speak it, to not let it leave your lips, but to keep it there, to keep it there with you? There needs to be this unfailing attention to the Word of God. It does involve studying it. It does involve understanding it more, but just keeping it there all the time, unfailing attention. And then, of course, we have unending rumination where he says, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Notice the way he brings obedience back around. He starts by saying obey, and then he says, how are you going to obey? By meditating on the Word of God. And we talked about meditation, that idea of the, the multi-chambered stomach of the animal that eats and then brings the food back up, takes it down, brings it back up again. If you look at the description of this particular uh, group that we're offering this fall, 
It, it, it's got, a, it's got a, 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 just kind of a, a comment that, that you look at and you go, wow. A cow chews its food, takes 10,000 chews a day to chew its food. 10,000 chews. I, I want to know the guy who sat and counted the chews, right? Who's sitting there? One, two, three. But 10,000 chews on your food, just over and over. That's what he's calling on us with Scripture, to just chew on it again and again and again, to get every last bit of nutrition out of what the Word of God has to say. So, so we're, we're, just, we're, we're absorbed, we're saturated in the Word of God, and that starts to direct our paths. We're able to live boldly and courageously, not just because we're full of bluster and vibrato, but because we have God's word dwelling in us and it's directing us. Can I ask you, what, what absorbs your attention? What do you focus on? What absorbs your attention? Beginning of the pandemic, at least the American part of it, when we went into quarantine, Here's what was happening at the Pap House. If the governor was on, we watched every minute. If the president was on, we watched every minute. We were listening to Dr. Enzike. We were taking in Dr. Fauci. We were taking in Dr. Burks. All of it. We were just taking in every word because we wanted to know everything we could know so that we could act in accordance with it. Of course, then we did what a lot of you did. We got done with the news conference and then listened to the news that told us what we were supposed to think. And so we listened to their digested version of whatever we had just heard, and that's what we were doing all the time. We were, we were taking that in and taking that in and taking that in. And, and I, I suspect it's the case for, for some of you that your family comments about your ingestion of the news, that, that you, you spend a lot of time watching the news and that it even kind of impacts the way you act. You know, yelling at the TV, things like that. And, that. and that there's a lot of intensity that comes from sitting and taking that in all the time. Here, here's what we need to understand. What you are soaking in will direct your next steps. We talk about next steps all the time. Whatever it is you are soaking in, that is what's going to direct your next steps. That's, what's, that's going to determine the, the next step you take and the next step you take and the next step you take. So if I'm only ever taking in the news, if I'm only ever taking in the interpretation of the facts from someone else, that is going to help determine my path. What's the chance that we spend even a hundredth of the time taking in Scripture that we do taking in the news? Taking in the information around us? We wonder why we struggle to walk in a bold and courageous way. Because what we're taking in is anything but the Word of God. And so as we're being thoughtful, as we're thinking through how to square these things out of abundance of caution and be bold and courageous, as we think about that, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, what is our mission? What is it God has called us to do here, now, today? I think Uncle Mordecai told us, in Esther chapter 4, he said, don't think for a moment, to Esther, he says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. You know what our, you know what our mission is right now? It's right now. 
It's the unprecedented moment. It's this unique moment in time. We were talking with a group of pastors this past week, and they were theorizing about what's the church going to look like five years from now? What's the church going to look like 10 years from now? What's going to look like in the light of all this? And I, you know, I just kind of turned and said, I think right now all that is irrelevant. What's happening today? You know what the pandemic did to me? I'm living a week at a time. This week, then next week, then next week, then next week. And I think to some degree that's the focus God calls for us. Daily bread. What is he calling me to do today? What is he calling me to do in this moment? God calls us to live fully, boldly, and courageously into our unique moment. This little booklet by N.T. Wright he was talking about the Church of Jesus Christ during pandemics. And he said, you know, you know what happened during things like the bubonic plague and other, other great plagues that swept across the world, the known world? The rich people headed to the, world, headed to the hills and the church headed to the streets. The rich people went into hiding and the church went and took care of the sick. The church went, the great hospitals and other things arose not because of a government program, but because of the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church recognized a unique moment in time and said, we're here now. We're not keeping our powder dry. We're not waiting until this passes. There's something God is calling us to do today. Today. And we're to be bold and courageous in this moment today. The question I think every one of us have to ask ourselves is, what is the chance we are missing our moment? What is the chance that out of caution instead of courage, we are missing our moment? Joshua learned this lesson. Go over to chapter 10 and you have the story of the battle where the sun stood still while they fought. And the battle comes to an end. And he's talking to his men. He says, don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is going to do this to all of your enemies. Do you see that after all the times he was told to be strong and courageous, what's he doing now? He's telling other people, you can be strong and courageous. Here's something I'm very aware of. We have eyes watching the way Christ's church is addressing this unique moment. We have kids who will one day talk about the way we lived through our unique moment. We're the example to them. Are we the example of abundant, abundant caution? We the example of boldness and courage. Are we the example of people that realize that, yes, this is a unique moment. This is an unprecedented time. And we didn't wait until it was past to be the church again. But we recognized God created us for here, for now, for just such a time as this. And he gave us the courage to face it. Full force. So again... This requires thinking, it requires reflection. Not just reflex, but reflection. And that's what I'm calling you to today. Think about it. How does what you know of the Word of God square with what you hear in the world? With what you hear of how you're supposed to be handling these times? 
We're going to take communion, which again is about as perfect a picture of God's abiding presence as we have. And during that, we're going to watch a, we're going to watch a video of a song by Ellie Holcomb. Shelly threw this my way a couple weeks ago, and i got to admit, it's on, my, it's on my playlist now, and it's just playing all the time. Because it's one of those songs that she's, she knows God's present, and she's wondering if God is present. This is, this is where I think believers truly live. Love that phrase from the man in the Bible that says to Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. We live in both places, right? I mean, if you, if you, if you are bold and courageous and you're not afraid at all, it is possible you're simply living out of bluster. There should be a degree to which you recognize this is a scary moment. But God is with me. I believe. Help my unbelief. So watch the words, listen to the words, and take in communion as we do. Continue as the week progresses to reflect. To just think about it. How, how does what the world is telling me square with what God is telling me. And which message is directing my path? We're going to join together and sing. Sing a song of confidence. I think that's a lot of times. A lot of times when we sing, our singing is, I believe, help my unbelief. And it's amazing how singing a song to God has a way of helping us with our unbelief. Let's stand together and sing. search the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty frames and treasures that fade are never enough but you came along and put me back together satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than you
I, I was browsing the internet one day not too long ago and went to the site of a church, significant church, uh, wanted to see something, and I happened to come across on their front page, they had their reopen plan. And I clicked it. And what were the opening words? Out of an abundance of caution. I didn't even really have to read anything more, right? Kind of knew where it was going. But I found myself in that moment, not, not disparaging the leaders for their decision as much as to say, what is the believer's North Star? Is the believer's North Star abundant caution or is the believer's North Star boldness and courage? We, we need to be figuring out how to live life in such a way that we are approaching it with boldness and courage. That's the command of God. That is not to say that we're not supposed to be prudent, that we're not supposed to be wise, that we're not supposed to think. But our North Star is boldness and courage. And so as you walk into your unique moment, your unprecedented hour, would you think this week not about how I can be safer, 
Because you have the Lord your God by your side. But how can I approach this moment with the courage and boldness with which he calls me? We'll see you next week. Once was a season of infinite light Where the distance from heaven was not far behind I was close to you I was close to you Carry me back to that moment in time When the colors and fragments were